Okay, so Andy is handing out the sheets for tonight. I also have extras from last week. For anybody who may want those, I'll just have them up here on the table. You can grab one afterwards if you need to catch up with last week's. Um, yeah, they're not necessary. You can listen to the uh, former lessons online without those, but if you want to take notes, there are notes. Okay, let me um, start off this evening with <clears throat> just a uh, couple of advertisements. One is that on Tuesday mornings, our men's group, the Firmly Rooted Men's Group, we start at 6 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. It's very exciting. You have to be a Christian at 6 a.m. It's just there's no other choice. And uh, <laughs> coffee helps. <clears throat> but anyway, we're starting a new book study called Heavenly Rewards by Mark Hitchcock. So um, let's see. The back says, Are You Living in Light of Eternity? And uh, talks about, let's see, this book will talk about how we can learn tangible ways to please the Lord in our everyday living, discover that our labor and sacrifices are never in vain, that God is a faithful rewarder, and that we can see the benefits of living faithfully and enduring through even the most difficult times. So we're getting ready to start that book on Tuesday mornings. If you're a man and you're up at 6 a.m., that's for you. We'd love to see you there. Also want to advertise this book, uh, just simply titled Angels. The subtitle is uh, Elect and Evil. Angels, Elect and Evil. It's by C. Fred Dickinson. This is uh, the best book on angels that I've ever read or that I own. And so um, a lot of like my, I guess the lessons, a lot of what I'm going through in these lessons will be expanded upon in this book. That's how I wanted to phrase that. So if you don't have a book on angels, this is the book on angels to have if you want to have a book on angels. There you go. It is uh, by Dickinson, Fred Dickinson. Angels, Elect, and Evil is the title of that. Okay. No, no, no. I've lent that one multiple times, and I've always gotten it back. So, uh, you, yeah, Stan, you're a faithful book returner. You're a quick reader, too. You're impressive. It was interesting. Yeah. It's a good book. It's a good one. So how about I open up uh, with the word of prayer, and then we'll get into tonight's study. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here together and to uh, enjoy one another and enjoy your word. Help us in this study as we look into angels and what you have revealed about them, that we would have a greater understanding because of our time spent here tonight, and that we would uh, really appreciate your, all of your creation, including the invisible supernatural realm. Help us, Lord, to grow closer to you tonight because of the time we spent here together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, hopefully you have your sheet, and we've got a definition we're starting off with tonight. <clears throat> this is very close to the definition that I got in Bible college. We uh, take theology classes in Bible college and seminary, and uh, the class that has angels is ecclesiology, eschatology, angelology. So the study of the church, the study of the end times, and then the study of angels. So that's a lot to have in one class altogether, isn't it, for one semester? And it's like after you talk about what the church is and what end times are, it's like, do you have time left for angels? A little bit. Um, and the definition that we got in that class from my favorite professor who went to be with the Lord about a year ago 
the definition was angels are immaterial spirit beings created and named by God with a spiritual condition. So I adjusted that a little bit, and you have it at the top of your sheet. Angels are immaterial spirit beings created and named by God possessing a spiritual condition. Very similar to that because I think it's a great, great definition. Um, just wanted to clarify a couple of those uh, words there. So let's start in with this. Angels are creatures. They are clearly creatures. Angels were created in time. All right. So at the, at the top, you've got that statement in bold. Angels were created in time. They are, their being is not coextensive with God. It's not like God is eternal and all the angels are eternal. That's not the case. God created angels. And we can see that in many places in Scripture, but I want us to start with Colossians chapter 1. New Testament, Colossians chapter 1. In all of these Bible studies, there will be a lot of um, flipping pages. Because you'll find with uh, the study of angels, there's a lot scattered throughout the Bible. There's not a lot all in one place in the Bible. <laughs> we can't just go to, uh, you know, like Hosea 9, and that's the chapter on angels. We don't have anything like that, really, when it comes to angels. And so there's got to be a lot of flipping around and looking at uh, context and whatnot. So let's all start with this one together, Colossians chapter 1. And what we have here in this context is Paul, the apostle, establishing the deity of Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus Christ is God. He's the eternal Son of God, which means He is creator. God is creator. Okay, And uh, we're going to see specifically some of the things that Jesus created here in this passage. Who would read 15 to 17 of Colossians 1? Who's got it? Mandy, thank you. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Okay, so let's hone in on verse 16. All things were created by him, Jesus. So heavenly, invisible things, rulers, dominions, authorities, all created by Jesus. What is invisible and what is heavenly that is a part of creation? Angels. Angels, yeah. Very simply put, angels, right? Now, you could perhaps work your way into saying other things, but I think what's primarily in view here is angels. That Jesus Christ, as God, is creator... And that means he created the angels. So um, this would be a good verse to share with the Jehovah's Witness. If you ever get into a conversation with Jehovah's Witness, who says that Jesus is actually Michael the archangel. Okay, well, who created Michael, right? Um, it says here that Jesus created Michael. And so if Jesus created Michael, how could Michael be Jesus? Okay. Not that, not that complex. Um, Colossians 1 is a good one to share with Jehovah's Witnesses for a few different reasons, and that's one of them. Uh, he could not be an angel if he created all the angels. And notice, too, that Paul is using this language of all. He is firstborn of all creation, meaning he is ruler, authority over all of creation. He has inherited all of creation. He has all authority over all creation. And by him, all things were created. 
Does that mean everything but some things? No, it means all things, right? And, and he's like being really extensive, whether heaven or earth, whether visible or invisible. And no matter how high of a rank something may have in the visible or invisible realm, he is authoritative over it, okay? So there's just nothing that falls outside of his authority because he is absolutely Lord of all, okay? Um, any questions on Colossians 1? Seems pretty clear, huh? Okay, welcome, Sebastian. Dressed for work. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Your definition that you read a lot Yeah. Is it not on the top of your sheet? Oh, there are blanks. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Angels are immaterial spirit beings. So your first blank there is immaterial. And we'll define that here momentarily. Created and named by God. Created and named by God. Possessing a spiritual condition. Possessing a spiritual condition. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Thanks. Um, and a cross-reference you can write down, as long as you got your pen out there, next to Colossians 1, is Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 38 and 39. That's the passage that says, nothing can separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ. And it includes the invisible supernatural realm. It says, not even angels can separate us from the love of Christ. And then it says, nor any other created thing. So angels are implicated as creatures there, right? They are created. Okay. Um, Matthew 18.10, here's an interesting one, and we'll come back to this verse, mm, not next week, maybe the week after that, but Matthew 18.10 is another interesting one as we consider that they are creatures. Now, they, what really makes this strange is that they share a lot of qualities with humans, but at the same time, they're over and above humans, and we'll get into that when we get it over to this Venn diagram here. And so sometimes we can think like, man, angels creatures. That just doesn't make sense. I'm used to creatures being like furry things that sin, and angels are invisible and they don't sin. So how are they creatures? Well, they are creatures, okay? And here's another evidence of that. In Matthew 18.10, it says, uh, Jesus speaking, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, talking about children, for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, so again, we'll revisit this later on down the road for other reasons. But for our purpose tonight, what are these angels continually doing? They're seeing the face of the Father in heaven. So they are in a position, of course, of worship. And we see that several times with angels throughout the Bible. They're crying out, holy, holy, holy. They are uh, in a position of worshiping God. And they are not the ones who are being beheld in heaven. This is uh, where you know a lot of... I don't know, different religions get off base on this, where it's like you worship angels, basically, and there are these heavenly beings that you should bow down to and worship. But angels always say in Scripture, don't worship me when someone tries to worship them. Get up off the ground. Stop worshiping me. And here, they're not receiving honor, glory, praise in heaven. They are looking at the face of the Father. That's where all the attention is, and heaven is on God, not on angels. So, Okay. Pastor, would you do yes. something for me? Sure. For well, some maybe. Reason, my Bible goes from Matthew uh -huh. 10 to Matthew 12. Yes. Where is 11? They took it out. 
<laughs> is there white out on your Bible, on your page? <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's bracketed. Um, so mine just has a simple footnote that says early manuscripts do not contain this verse. Okay? And you'll see that from time to time with various passages. Uh, no, 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 no. So there are some translations that will take it out completely. I am much more in favor of leaving verses in. If the, I'm not on any of these publishing committees, but if I was, I'd be much more, I'd vote for leaving them in with brackets just with a note. When they take them out, I think it just causes a lot of confusion. But, uh, but yeah, that's why. And if you ever wanted a really long explanation about that, I could give you one. Yeah, you bet. Okay, so angels are creatures. Um, now, here's what's interesting about this, uh, this reality that they're creatures. We don't exactly know when they were created. We cannot have certainty about the time in which they were created. Now, we have a couple of hints that we're about to look at, but I just want to say this up front and make sure we're all clear. We don't have in Genesis, like, and on day blank, he made the angels. It's not there. Okay. Now, with that said, let me give you a couple hints. Would someone pick up Job 38, 1 to 7? Who can get that for us? Andy? And then, Mike, you want to get Psalm 148, 1 to 6? So in these two passages, let's listen for a hint here about when they were created. So we know for a fact that they were created, but let's see if Scripture says anything about when. So Andy, whenever you're ready. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you will instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who sets its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Okay, now the word angel does not appear in that passage. But you have, in verse 7, morning stars and sons of God. And we'll go through this next week when we look at terms used for angels in the Bible. But uh, you have here morning stars and sons of God who are already present when the cornerstone of the earth was laid. And they're shouting for joy. So that would indicate that they were there. Okay? And then Psalm 148 verses 1 through 6 offers us a, a, a similar uh, type of explanation. Go ahead, Mike. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all stars of light. Praise Him highest of heaven and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for He commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Okay, and if you're in that passage, keep running your eyes over the verses that follow where he lists creatures of the sea, and there's weather stuff also mentioned, but trees and beasts and creeping things, and then finally people, kings of the earth, princes, young men, young women, old men, and children. It seems as though the psalmist here is following the days of creation, right? Uh, and first was listed angels and hosts. So, again... We do not have a Bible verse that gives us certainty on this, but there are a couple passages that may indicate that angels were created first. Okay? 
Thoughts, questions on any of that stuff as far as angels are creatures? Wow. Very good. Jim, you're thinking. <laughs> you can translate those thoughts into words if you'd like. I was just wondering what, uh, I was trying to remember what they call them, but the beings with animal heads. Yes. The four living creatures. Are those angels or are they other creatures? Yeah, next week we'll look at that. Yes, they are angels. Yes. And we'll uh We'll get into that. We'll talk about the cherubim, seraphim, and the living creatures next week. I'm, I'm putting a lot of stuff on next week. So, yeah. <laughs> See if we can do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, they also have a spiritual condition. Not only are they uh, creatures, but they are creatures with a spiritual condition. Oh, one thing I want to say real quick. Uh, I need to look more at my notes. Uh, in Job 38, when it says, Stars of the morning and sons of God... Um, there are two places in Scripture where it seems as though angels are referred to when the term sons of God is used. There's uh, Genesis 6, and then there's Job 38. It seems as though they are called sons of God because they are direct creations of God without any kind of intermediate means. So, for example, um, we become children of God when we're born again. When we're born the first time, we're not children of God, we're children of Adam. Adam, though, was called a son of God. In Luke chapter 3, Luke, uh, Adam was called the son of God because he was direct creation of God with no intermediate, anything to mess it up. And so that is perhaps a reason why angels are given that title. Okay? But again, you only have Job 38 and then Genesis 6, and Genesis 6 kind of throws a wrench in stuff, and that's next week. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay, spiritual condition stuff. Let's uh, just find people here to grab each of these five passages, and uh, I'll have you read them as we just walk through. So 1 Timothy 5.21. Melissa, taking the easy one, just one verse. <laughs> Another one-verser, Matthew 25.41. Matthew 25.41. Hayden, thank you. Hebrews 2, 9-16. Rex. 1 Peter 1, 10-12. 1 Peter chapter 1, 10-12. Anna. And finally, Genesis 1, 26-28. Thank you, Sebas. Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28. Okay, so um, angels have a spiritual condition. Um, that's a kind of a vague term, isn't it? Spiritual condition. Well, uh, do human beings have a spiritual condition? Yes. Yeah. And what would you say that is, Andy, since you spoke up first? <laughs> like, how would you describe that just generally? What does it mean that human beings have a spiritual condition? It means that... God has breathed the Spirit into us, and that we are different from the other physical creation on this planet. Dogs, mm -hmm. cats. Because? Because God has breathed the Spirit into us. And given us? Dominion. Yeah. There's a term I'm surprised you're not using. His image, maybe? His image. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're made in His image, okay. Deo Gloria. So, um... Do horses have a spiritual condition? No. no. All right. Okay, so we're seeing distinctions here. So I, I, now I, I agree with what you're saying, obviously, right? God breathed life into us and we bear his image. Do angels bear his image? Because you've got you to admit, an angel is more spiritual than a horse. Okay, there's no explicit verse that says it. Okay, all right, this is interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're able to do all sorts of stuff that animals can't do, right? They're able to talk to us and, you know, save Balaam's donkey and a serpent way back when. We don't have animals talking to us. So that's a big difference. Um, seems like they've got will, choice, right? I mean, what, how did Satan fall? Um, you know, okay. Well, let's, let's dwell on this a little bit. Um, oh, and also, some of them, like, are holy forever. And others go to hell. That's a spiritual condition, isn't it? Okay, all right. First Timothy 5.21. Let's hear something about the spiritual condition of angels here. Isn't that just amazing? These little like facts that get dropped about angels just out of nowhere. Like Paul is here charging Timothy, admonishing Timothy how to do ministry. And what does he say about angels there? What, what did he just drop in there? There are certain angels who are elect. What does it mean to be elect? Chosen by who? God. Certain, certain angels have been chosen by God. Okay, so now put that into your bin of facts about angels, and we'll try to organize it here in a little bit. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Who had that one? Then he will also say to those on his left, "Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels." All right. So this is Jesus at the sheep and goat judgment, and the goats on his left go to the. What does it say? Where are they going to go? Eternal judgment. So how long does hell last? Forever. Well, lake of fire, technically. Yeah. Hell, eternal, eternity is a long time, isn't it? And so they go into this eternal damnation that is prepared for the devil and his angels. Were they chosen by God, those ones? No. no not, not in the same sense that the other ones were, right? So you have some who are chosen by God who are kept holy forever. And then you have these other ones who end up going into eternal damnation forever. So this is just kind of interesting stuff. Um, so I would say here we're starting to like learn some stuff uh, about angels that actually we have in common with them. And so uh, we learned here that some are chosen. That's similar, right? Because there's also an elect with human beings. God chooses some. Okay. We also see responsibility, personal responsibility. Fit it in? Yeah, there it is. Uh, why are they going to eternal uh, damnation? Because God's holding them accountable. He's judging them, holding them accountable for their actions. The fact that they have actions, again, shows that they have choice. They have uh, more, a moral will. We could say uh, just that, moral will. I don't really have a space there for you on your thing. You might want to do it on the back if you want to copy this or something. Or you can just take a picture or whatever. Um, do they also have emotion? Can you think of a, a place maybe where angels have emotion? Well, they get angry and they praise. Okay. Um, what, and what does Jesus say uh, happens in heaven when one sinner repents? There's rejoicing, right? They, they have joy. That's pretty amazing. So there's emotion too. And we already uh, said how they communicate, which shows intelligence. They have intelligence. They're able to understand and produce messages. All that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. 
And so all this adds up and you think, wow, they're a lot like humans. If, if this wasn't a Venn diagram and we just had that list, it's like, okay, well, it seems very similar. Uh, but since it's a Venn diagram, you know that differences are coming now. And so we, we would do well to look at those. Um, I will go ahead and show my hand now. I do not believe that angels are made in God's image. This author does. Could we still go to church together? Yeah, okay. So it's not like that big of a deal where we're throwing furniture at each other or something. But um, I do disagree with them on that, and I'll explain why as we look at these differences. So let's consider some dissimilarities now, starting with Hebrews 2. I think you had that one, Rex, right? Hebrews 2, 9 to 16? Okay, let's look for the differences. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels. Namely, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. For both he who sanctifies and whose and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children whom God has given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also took, partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who, through fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, <clears throat> he does not give, up or give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. All right, so there's a lot there. But the, the bookend verses really are the ones that point out some differences. Verses 9 and 16. So what difference between uh, humans and angels do we see in verse 9? Okay. So there's some sense in which they have a higher nature, and we have a lower nature compared to them. Okay. Um, I think verse 14 may explain that a little bit when it says that Jesus... Became, took of, partook of flesh and blood, since the children share in flesh and, flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same. So we are in a, uh, a total physical, uh, let's see, how can I phrase this? Because um, angels are, are limited by space too. But we are material. We are totally limited to physicality. And on top of that, we have bodies that are subject to the second law of thermodynamics. We are growing old and dying. Okay? From the day you're born, you're dying. Okay? So uh, there's a, a lower nature there. But what in verse 16? What's, the, what's another difference here? This one works in our favor. He doesn't give help. Good. Okay, and, and what's the context here of the help that he's giving? What kind of help? Uh, salvation. Yeah, yeah. So, can Satan be saved? No. no. No, he cannot. Can his demons be saved? No, they cannot. But any human being, as far as we're concerned, because we're not omniscient, can any human being, as long as he or she has breath in his or her lungs, can that person be saved? Yep. 
Yes, right. Because okay. Christ tasted death for everyone, it says in verse 9. So um, th- those are some pretty important differences. We uh, get some more of this different stuff as it pertains to salvation with First Peter. Who had First Peter 1, 10 to 12? I did. Okay, go ahead and read that, Anna, please. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. All right, the angels long to look into this salvation and the experience of salvation. So, um, now I know this is a little redundant because I just said no salvation, salvation, and here I'm just adding experience. But it's not like we, um, that the only thing that we experience in our salvation is you hear the gospel message, you say yay or you say nay, and then that's it, right? There's a whole lot more to what God is doing in your life. That's just the beginning. When you first believe in Jesus, that's just the beginning, and you enter into this life of sanctification, this life of knowing the Lord, understanding His Word, looking into His Word and making connections in Scripture, making personal application. All of that is really a part of your salvation, and it all leads up to this resurrection from the dead and being with Christ in glory. The angels don't experience salvation like we get to experience salvation, which is an important difference. And then finally, uh, again, like I, the hand I already showed, we, uh, we are made in the image of God and angels are not. So, um, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, Sebastian, if you want to go ahead and read that, let's consider what the image of God is and consider how angels are not given the same status or mandate that we're given. So, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth. Okay, thank you. So um, you'll notice here that this is where explicitly we're told that man is made in the image of God and woman, male and female, created he them. Um, we have the image of God. <laughs> table there. I don't have omniscience about where everything is, but I'm made in the image of God. And now, a lot of times when we talk about what that means to be made in the image of God, it'll be broken down this way. We have choice or moral will. We have emotion. We have intelligence. But did you notice that none of those things were listed in that passage? <laughs> I mean, that's true. We have those things. And it's true that we have those things and animals don't. And it's true that that is part of the image of God, I believe. However, it's more than that, too. What are we seeing in that passage? We're seeing a mandate given to man and woman that they would procreate and that they would have dominion. 
that they would uh, basically rule over the culture of the world and um, steward the earth. There's a, there's a stewardship here that is given to man. Now, of course, man fails at this. You just obviously have to read a little bit, and then you see, oh, he fails, and then that we always fail over and over again, but that mandate remains. And actually, one day, that'll be fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he perfectly subdues the earth, and he's the perfect king over all the earth, and uh, he is, you know, has everything under his sovereign power. But what the, the point that I'm making here is that that's tied to the image of God, and that's never given to angels. In fact, we're told explicitly that angels cannot create in the same way that human beings can create. Angels are not given the responsibility of stewarding the earth and uh, reflecting God's power and dominion in the way they steward the earth, as human beings are called to do that, who are made in God's image. And so I believe that's a pretty important distinction, too, between angels and humans. And so even though we have a lower nature for the moment, we have this image of God and the mandate that's been given to us, and in Christ we can not only ourselves be redeemed, but we can work at redeeming the culture around us too by having the uh, gospel through us have its effect on the world around us. Okay? Thoughts or questions on the spiritual condition of angels? Hey. Is that lower nature because of our sinful nature? Yeah, that's, uh, that seems to be key, yes. Um, if, we, if Adam hadn't have sinned, so I mean, that's like the thought experiment, right? Let's go back to Genesis 2. Right after God makes Adam, before Genesis 3, was his nature lower than the angels? It would be hard to imagine that it was. That it was. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of the similar stuff, but he has dominion over the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brandon? Well, probably the dumbest question of the night. No, it's okay. Is there male and female angels? Because all I've ever heard oh. is male angel names. So. No, that, why would you say that's a dumb yeah. question? That's a great question. That's an absolutely great question. All right, so um, we, again, with angels, we get our information like all over the place. And we are never told that there are female angels. In fact, the only way that we would say that there are male angels is because they appear in the form of a man. We'll see that in Daniel quite a bit. And then, of course, the ma masculine names that we know of. And there are only two. Um, so, but it may kind of be like we shouldn't even try to project our, the, the gender given to humans onto angels. Like, same with God, right? I mean, people will, um, around here, will say that God is a man. And we utterly reject that. God is not an exalted man. God is not a created being in any sense. And God doesn't have gender in the same way that his creatures have gender. Okay? And so, um, it may be the same kind of thing with angels. But no, it's a great question. Jesus answered the Pharisees when they were asking about uh, the man who had the seven wives, or the woman who had... Hey, we're, we're getting there. You're jumping ahead. You're jumping ahead. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Very relevant passage, though. Yes, the key passage. Hayden. Uh, do angels die? No. We're getting to that, too. Anna. You just said that man didn't, uh, God didn't have gender like we do. Correct. Jesus was 100% man yes. and God, so Jesus... Yes. ...was a man in our sense of gender, so Correct. doesn't that make... It makes the incarnate Christ male, yes. Okay. But so when Jesus was incarnate, he was also, or well, he still is, his incarnate state is limited by space, right? So Jesus, um, when he was walking the streets of Jerusalem, his body was not also hanging out in America, riding a buffalo or something, right? He was limited by space. Does that mean God was limited by space at that time? No. 
Okay, so now, so start thinking about that with gender and you kind of can get it that way. Yeah. Yes. We recently just read that he was wrestling with Jacob. Yeah, Jacob wrestled with God. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you also have this interesting it's next week. No, it's this week. Down at the bottom, Genesis 18. It might be this week. I don't know. This might be next week too. But Genesis 18, you have these men appear to Abraham, and one of them is the Lord. The Lord and two angels appear to Abraham. So the flesh form of God exists prior to Jesus' birth. No, that's a good question. No. And we'll get into that in two or three weeks, when we talk about the angel of the Lord. I'll go ahead and write it up here. The angel of the Lord. Um, this is a term that is used in the Old Testament that points to the pre-incarnate Christ. And there are multiple appearances, there are several uh, appearances of, the, of Christ before he was born of Mary. And so um, he didn't come and stay. And he wasn't like walking the earth and, and like would hide and then show up at certain times. It was like he was manifesting himself and then taking away that presence. Got it. Okay. Christophany? Yes. Yeah, Christophany is another word for it. Perfect. Dex? Um, would Psalm 82 have anything to do with these, uh, hmm. the angels? Because it says in 6, well, 7, uh, well, actually 6 and 7, it says, I said you are gods and all of you are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall yeah. like any one of the princes. So yeah, Psalm 82 is a very interesting one. It's quoted by Jesus in John 10. Whenever they pick up stones to stone him because he made himself equal with God, he says, hey, doesn't your scriptures say, I have said you are gods in Psalm 82? Well, um, some people take that as uh, the council of the gods there, gods being a class of angels. Uh, that is mainly propagated by the divine council worldview that was made by uh, Michael Heiser in his book, The Unseen Realm. Um, I believe that's actually talking about humans. And I've got a four-part blog series on that very passage. Yeah. <laughs> Sebastian. When we go to heaven, are we going to have the same nature of angels? Ah, well, there's a passage that I'll talk about that here in a moment. Good question. Yeah, that's the uh, Luke 20 passage. We're coming to it. Okay. And let's go ahead and just start going that direction. Let's go to Luke, all of us, because you see the next three passages are all in the book of Luke, <clears throat> where we're going to discover the biblical backing for this notion that angels are immaterial spirit beings. Okay? They are spirits. Oftentimes in Scripture, they're just straight up called spirits. And they will never cease to exist. So let's uh, just look at these together. Luke 8.30 is where we'll start. Luke chapter 8, verse 30. And in each one of these, I want you to look for the reasoning here as to how we jump from this verse to angels are thus immaterial. Okay, what's the connection? So Luke 8.30, it says, Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. How does this show immateriality for angels? Okay, so you got like going in and out of a, a person. Yeah, but not. <laughs> yeah, going the wrong way with the illustration there. Yeah, maybe a laser. It's like a laser. Okay. Um, and there are many, many demons had entered it. So even though angels are not God, they're not omnipresent, they are limited by time and space. So they have a different relationship with time and space than we do. Because here many are able to enter him, and then we'll see in a moment, they never die. 
Which, so that's a different relationship with time and space. Okay. Next passage in Luke 11, 24 to 26. Luke 11, 24 to 26. Jesus here giving us some insight to the life of demons. So someone want to read those? 24 to 26 of Luke 11? Who's got that? Okay, Stacey, go ahead. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and not finding any. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. Mm -hmm. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and, they, and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. All right, so on the one hand, we're seeing some creaturely, some true creaturely limitations here, where it says in verse 24 that the demons are passing through waterless places. Yeah, so, and seeking rest, too. That's like, they need rest. That's a, a creature thing, right? What's the deal with passing through waterless places? Uh, Jesus doesn't say. <laughs> okay. He just says that's what they're doing. So demons are scared of water or what? I, I mean, <laughs> we just don't have a lot. Um, but at the same time, they are passing through and moving swiftly, moving invisibly. And again, they're able to enter in and out of bodies, even with multiple spirits. And this time, Jesus gives a number. It takes along seven other spirits, so eight spirits being inside the one person. So a different relationship. Even though they're creatures, a different relationship with material. What were you going to say, Stacy? I was just thinking like hell and no water. Mm. Thirsting for water. Could be Phoenix. Could be Phoenix. Right. Yeah. Probably not, though. Probably. <laughs> and you said moving swiftly. Is that something you're reading into this or from somewhere else? So in Daniel 10, there's a... And I need to look at the Hebrew on this and also see if there are any other cross-references. But in the King James in Daniel 10, it says swiftly for... Um, I guess it's Im implied that it's Gabriel. I don't know if, it's if we're told specifically that he's Gabriel, but he's the angel who got caught up with a, an issue with the kings of Persia, and then Michael comes and frees him up, and then it says he swiftly comes to Daniel. Um, but again, I know it's in the King James. I don't know if it's in other translations. I have to look at the Hebrew on that. Yeah. Was this part 24, I will return to my house from which I came? Do they have... How, what are their houses? Is it talking about hell? Or? Well, no, they have to. Um, it seems as though at least these types of spirits, because we're going to find out in the coming weeks, there are lots of types of spirits. Okay. So at least these types are needing a place to reside. They need a place to be in. So if you remember that, that story we were just reading about Legion, the guy who had many, you remember where the demons went when Jesus cast them out? Pigs. Yeah, they had, to, they like, had to go on something, and they went into the pigs. And so it's like they need a dwelling, and they so seek a dwelling. Like my house. It's like... Well, yeah. An like, it doesn't like say Anna's house. No. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like a physical like house house that like I'm thinking of. Like, yeah. More of like a... A living being. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems to be what scripture indicates more. But there's some, there's some interesting stuff in there that we'll come to. Yeah. Good. And then uh, Luke 20. Let's look at this one too. This is the passage Andy you were referring to earlier. Luke 20... I, you want me to read it? 
Yeah. Um, the one we most often quote is the Matthew 22 um, version, but let's look at Luke 20, 34 to 36, Andy. Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot even die anymore because they are like angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Okay. So what are we learning here about the immateriality of angels? They don't marry. Don't marry. Nor are they given in marriage. There's no experience with marriage. I mean, if we wanted to add to this... uh, we could just say, don't marry and marry. Okay? That's a very basic one. So, um, they're unable to, uh, unable to procreate, too. There's, there's no uh, continuation or propagation of angels. God made the angels, done. Okay? Um, they don't propagate their own species, so to speak. Okay? And we get this amazing phrase, they cannot even die. He's talking about the, um, in the resurrection, human beings cannot die anymore. But he's saying that happens because they are like the angels. So they also cannot die anymore. And so, Sebastian, going back to your question, are we like angels? Um, it's good to phrase it that way because we don't become angels, right? Human beings do not become angels. That's something that you might run across every now and then. That never happens. God created angels. He created humans. We have our differences. Okay? But our nature has this in common, where we no longer participate in marriage. We no longer procreate. We um, are given a new relationship with time and matter in that uh, we have bodies that don't decompose, that don't fail us anymore. We don't need any surgeries for our ACL anymore. Uh, we, we don't have any of that going on, and we never die. And so there's, a, again, similarities and differences. Okay? We have resurrected bodies. Angels don't have bodies. They're spirits. Joseph? So you said that angels don't procreate, but what do we believe about like, the fallen angels and the Nephilim? What do you mean? Who's we? There's nothing in our doctrinal statement about that one. So, but uh, but we will talk about that. Not this week, but we will soon. You just got to come back every week. I don't know when I'm getting to it. You just got to show up. It's this is part of the program to get everybody back week after week. Okay, this is this is how how it works. Trust the process, right? Okay. Um, oh, I, I did write a little note to myself here. I, I, I thought about this as I was looking at this passage here in Luke 20. They don't die, and they were created in time, potentially before God laid the foundation of the earth, if that's how we want to interpret those passages. Think of all the stuff angels have seen. I've, n- I've never really thought about that before. They've been around, I mean, from Genesis 1 at some point, and they've seen it all. They don't have like a fast forward button. They're not watching this in two times speed. You know, they're just, lit. they're just observing in real time for all these thousands of years. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if that seems amazing. <laughs> I, <laughs> you imagine all the like the wars they've seen, like the baseball. Yeah. They've seen the most. 
They've seen some of the dumbest stuff. They've seen the most evil things. They've seen some of the most beautiful things and the most glorious things. They, they were obviously, some were there and manifesting themselves when Jesus walked out of the tomb. Like, I mean, just so many cool things. Angels have seen so much stuff. Now, I'm not going to say they've seen it all because, again, they're not omniscient or omnipresent. But I bet they talk to one another like, hey, were you in Africa last week when that thing? You know, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's amazing. And of fallen angels, yes. Very, very true. Yep. Wow. Okay. Any thoughts or questions on, let's see, what was that section? Oh, how they're spirits. They're immaterial spirits. Yeah. You, you just said that they have limitations, though? Yes. Where's the, where, where did, when did we go over that? Did I just skip that part? Well, um, no, I don't think so. So, like, uh, they need rest. We, we looked at that. We, okay. we saw that in Luke... Yeah. 11, they need rest, for example. They apparently, a lot of them, need dwelling places. They uh, are unable to be in two places at once. You never have any description of any angel being in two places at once. These are all limitations, right? Um, they're unable to do the things that God does. Like, for example, Satan saying, I will make myself like the Most High. Swing and miss, okay? He's unable to do that. He's unable to be God. Uh, they're unable to marry uh, all kinds of limitations. Yeah. Other thoughts, questions? Melissa? Just by the nature of being created, does that imply a limitation? Yes. We uh, talked about that a little bit last week. Remember that creator-creature divide. Only one being falls on the creator side, the triune God. So we're talking father, son, or spirit. Creator, only limited by himself. Because okay, God cannot deny himself. You know, those, he cannot lie. His eyes are too pure to look on evil. He's only limited by his own nature in those, that sense. Creatures, on the other hand, we have a lot of limitations imposed on us, don't we? So angels would be in that category. So they're not omnipresent? Not omnipresent. Where did we read that? Was it the place of rest? So you're looking for a verse that says angels can only be in one place at a time? Okay, so um, it's not, we don't have a verse. It, we, a lot of stuff with theology is not that easy, right? And so if, when you read the accounts of angels, by, the, by virtue of them being creatures, they cannot be in one place at one time. So, so say that again? You're Daniel 10. Yeah, no, that's true. Daniel 10. Um, so we have a lot of narratives with uh, angels. And so you've got the angel who's going to Daniel to give him a message, and he gets caught up and hung up, and he's delayed. How, if, if someone was omnipresent, he couldn't be delayed. Okay. Brandon. Where, where do like the angels and like the wings thing come from? Is, is that referenced anywhere? Yes. So next week we'll look at that with the seraphim and the living creatures. Um, there are wings. Are those physical wings? No. We'll, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, a lot next week. Yeah, it's gonna. We're going until midnight next week. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's all go to Genesis 18 together, and then we will look at that Daniel passage. Uh, maybe that's one thing I said was next week. That's actually this week. Who knows? Genesis 18. Let's look at appearances. A couple of appearances of angels. Keeping in mind that they are immaterial. All right. We we just looked at three passages in Luke. We could have looked at a lot more passages from a lot of different books of the Bible. Looked at three passages in Luke that indicated that they are immaterial. But then they also show up. This is just so interesting. It, Genesis 18, verses 1 to 8, 
and then verse 16, and then verse 22, and then 19.1. Who can take that tall order? That's pretty complicated business. But who can do that? Mike, can you handle it? I know it's past your bedtime. Okay, all right. Go ahead. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of memory. While he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day, when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash, wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves after that you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to, to Sarah and said, quickly prepare three measures of fine flour and knead it and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took herds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them, and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. Verse 16. Then the men rose up from there and took looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them and to send them off. Okay, then 22. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. 19.1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. Okay, so you've got 18.1. You've got, uh, well, I guess it's verse 2, 18, 2. Three men standing opposite him. One of them is the Lord. <coughs> Pretty interesting. Okay, this would be in the category of what I would call a Christophany or a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. And the men, verse 16, rose up and walked. Verse 22, there are two men that leave while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. In 19.1, those two men are called angels, and they came to Sodom in the evening. Pretty interesting stuff. And so even though a lot of times when we read about appearances of angels in the Old Testament, it's a vision. Here is one of the cases where it's a physical appearance because these guys are standing, sitting, walking, eating. Like, so this the is... Angels were eating and so I mean, the angels ate. Yeah. So what they have like oh, yeah. 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 Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> and uh, yeah, there are, there's some other indicators in Scripture where this happens. Like you've got angels touching Daniel. Um, yeah, some other things that go on. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So it appears as though that even though they are immaterial beings, and most of the time when they show up, it's in a vision or like I look into the sky and see them. There's not actual like physical touching going on. There are times when there's like... A physical manifestation of an angel. So that'd be different than the fallen angels. That they, they can't touch you, right? Like the mm -hmm. evil spirit, they can't touch you. 
where an angel mm. can touch you? That's a good question. Hang on to that question for a while. Yeah, marinate on that for a bit. Next week. Yeah. <laughs> Melissa. Yes, that's another one of those. Hebrews 13. Yep, you could be in your ignorance entertaining an angel when you think you're just entertaining your neighbor. Mm, is there a reason? Um, they, I, I would say ultimately the reason is God has given the holy angels the free, well, I wouldn't say freedom to do that. He's given them the ability to do that by his command, whereas demons have lost many privileges, I would think. My, my real thought was, are angels inhabiting people? Right, look yeah. Like, or like they do with demons. Mm -hmm. Demons do. Yeah, no scriptural evidence I would say an angel would fill somebody, enter somebody, possess somebody, any language like that. That's, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. It doesn't say anything, but it also doesn't say they manifest themselves as a human. Well, yeah, unless, except for the narratives where we see them, yeah. Yeah. Dex. Um, is there any other spots where like, angels materialize like that without being in the presence of the Lord? Like, did, is there any other? Because obviously they were with, they were with yes. God. Yes. Yeah, in Daniel you have that. Yeah, and there may be some others, um, but I know off the top of my head in Daniel you have that. So mm -hmm. angels are immaterial, but they can materialize? Yeah, according to this passage. Yep. Yep. And this doesn't come with like an instruction book on how that works either. You know, it's just like, woo. Um, it seems a lot of times when he appears, it's in the form of a vision. So like when he talks to Mary, for example. Um, there's no indication that there's any kind of physicality happening there. Uh, however, there may be some other places, yeah. yeah that's interesting. Well, let's look at one more real quick. Daniel 10, this is where we'll end tonight. Daniel chapter 10, where we see um, an appearance. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 to 14. You know, at this stage of our study, I'm, I'm okay with leaving you with more questions than answers. So uh, I just hope by the end well, you're not in that spot. Okay. Uh, Daniel 10. Uh, let's see. I'll just, I'll read uh, starting at verse 10. Then behold, a hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up, trembling. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for twenty-one days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to give you an understanding of what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision pertains to the days yet future. Talking about uh, the visions that Daniel's gotten about the future of God's program. So we're seeing here that angels can interact with other angels in a way that hinders them. Like a fallen angel can interact with a non-fallen angel and can like hinder him. Isn't that weird? 
strange. But uh, so again, pointing to another limitation, right? Uh, that he's hindered, but he's also immaterial. He's able to appear. There's a physical touch that happens there in verse 10. It is often interpreted that it's Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. Maybe in that passage we do have it directly uh, stated, but I think it's more of an implication kind of thing because Gabriel shows up other places around there in chapter 9. Is this Michael, like Michael, Michael, Michael? Yep, yep, and we'll talk about him next week. <laughs> yep. Okay, final thoughts or questions on angels being immaterial spirit beings created and named by God possessing a spiritual condition. Right. Still speaking in prayer that the man Gabriel, yep. whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offerings. Yep. Yes, we will uh, look at that passage at the end of next week's lesson if we make it there. I've got even more passages next week than I did this week. But, um, but yes, since he's mentioned in 9, I think most people interpret him as being the one in 10. Other thoughts, questions? Okay, Jim? Well, we know from reading Job that there's certain things that can't do or at least Satan without God giving them permission. Oh, totally. And I'm just thinking maybe the physical part, since it's so rare, maybe it's a time that God empowers them to do that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't, yeah, and who knows if they're able to make their own requests for that or if they're just on standby for when God tells them to do it. Yeah, it's pretty mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, yeah, if they're... Yeah, it just doesn't say. It's a tough one. doesn't say anywhere that when we're dying, we can kind of see through the veil. What veil? Ah, like, oh, like last week how we looked at uh, Elisha's servant yeah. was able to see. Yeah, um, yeah. for instance, uh, John, when he wrote Revelation, all those things he was seeing with the, the living creatures and the 24 elders and all of that, yeah, he was able to uh, see things that he obviously wouldn't see normally. And even when uh, Paul's writing about angels and the principalities of the air and stuff, he doesn't give any indication that we can ever see them now. But you do tend to get a sense that, yeah, um, in our glorified state, we'll be able to see that, behold that. Isaiah, behold, seeing the, the angels, you know. But he not was, like, as we're dying, we can kind no, of... No, that's not, <laughs> I think it's more of a Hollywood kind of thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I just work here. No, that's okay. That's all right. Good questions. Didn't Paul say something about him? He was blinded for three days. It was like scales fell off his eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that was, uh, you know, just being restored to normal vision. So, yeah, but there could be spiritual scales that come off when we're glorified. It could be a way of thinking about that. Or those when, when uh, Elijah was talking about his there, and like scales fall off his eyes, he was able to see in that other Yeah, pretty amazing. Okay, well, very good. We'll all uh, pray, and then we'll be done.
Father, again, we thank you for this night you've given us, and we thank you for your word, that you've given us so many amazing things for us to behold, and you've created a very interesting and diverse universe. Lord, help us to, uh, as much as it depends on us and as much as we're able to, help us to think spiritually and to see spiritually in this life, that we would not consider this world just material. It's so easy for us to slip into that mindset. But help us to think about what's really going on in the world and to be alert as you've commanded us to be. God, help us to serve you well uh, by your Spirit's power that as he guides, directs, fills, energizes us for the task at hand that we would, um, that we would honor you in all things. God, we thank you so much for what you've done and what you're going to do uh, in our lives. You are such a good and wonderful God, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.